Hi, I'm Alicia Michelle, and as a trained and certified Christian mindset coach, I've helped hundreds of Christian women discover brain science-based mindset tools to help them grow closer to God and break free from anxiety, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and feeling like they're never enough. The Christian Mindset Coach is the award-winning podcast that shows you how to use simple brain science principles and biblical truth to renew your mind for lasting confidence, joy, and peace. I'm so glad you're here. Grab a cozy spot and let's get started. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the Christian Mindset Coach with me, Alicia Michelle. I have to tell you, I just got off of the interview that I did for today's episode, and I am doing my best to stay centered and not cry because today on the podcast, I had my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, share her story, and I won't steal her thunder in terms of all of the details that our family has gone through in the last six months, but she has had some major mental health struggles, and we've had some very, very low, scary days with her, and to hear her for the first time with me share this whole account and see to see where she's at now it's just as a human it's it's beautiful to see but as a mom who walked with her through it it just makes my heart just beyond thrilled excited sing and of course makes me want to tear up so i am beyond thrilled to share with you today this story from my daughter i'm sharing this today because it is mental health month and it's no secret that our teens are enduring some major challenges in their mental health. And I didn't want to gloss by this month and not acknowledge the fact that there are so many loved ones that we have in our lives who are struggling, but that a lot of us in that place are struggling because we are seeing our teens struggle and we almost feel helpless, like we don't know what to do. And I just want to tell you from the very beginning that if this is happening to you, then you are certainly not alone and that there are resources to help you through it and that there is hope on the other side. Now, I'm going to spend another episode, the next episode, talking about how we can support ourselves as moms going through this because I can think of, gosh, at least probably eight moms right now in my own personal friend group who have teens, and I would say hmm, a good percentage of them is all I'm going to say. 75 to 80% of them have, their teens have major struggles like this. And just to kind of echo that fact, there was an interesting statistics, there have been some interesting statistics released recently from the CDC about teen girls specifically, and it was reported in the ABC News. It says nearly three in five girls say they feel persistently sad or hopeless, according to this report. And that was in 2021. Again, that's a whole year behind the reporting. Now, can we attribute that to COVID? Yes, of course. COVID had a major impact on our teens. Yet what I have seen just overall with in terms of anxiety is that those numbers, they spiked highly during COVID, but they have not fully gone back to normal levels. Like a lot of us have, are still at these ultra high levels of anxiety and stress and mental health issues that are that's just unprecedented. And it's especially true for teen girls. Again, according to the CDC report, it says 41% of girls reported that they had experienced 
poor mental health over the last 30 days. When I read that statistic, 41% they said they had poor mental health. Honestly, I think that's really, really low. Truly, I think it's really low. My personal opinion, and this is totally conjecture on my part, but just from what I see and hear from my sister's, or not my sister, my daughter's friends, and from her and from the other moms and their kids, I would definitely say it's higher. And then also 30% reported that they had seriously considered suicide according to this report. So this is obviously a huge problem, huge problem. And I want to spend some time praying for our girls at the end of this conversation with my daughter. But I wanted to share this snippet of our conversation together because I wanted you to see that even in a Christian home, things aren't perfect in terms of our identity, even with someone who studies this stuff, you know, and works with women all day. It's it's still an issue. It's still something that our kids can struggle with. It's still um there's there's no quote unquote perfect parent or protection from um that'll that'll guarantee that our kids aren't going to walk through these dark valleys. And I want you to hear her very honest, very vulnerable story. I was so proud of how she shared and what she shared. I had no idea what she was going to say, to be honest with you. I just did, and I did not tell her any of the things we were going to talk about. I just said I wanted to have a conversation, and she and I have been talking about doing it for a while. So it was just truly the Holy Spirit that spoke through her. But I hope you hear the transformation that's possible. I hope you hear the power of God and His timing of parents praying, and of kids, our teens, who are very smart, brilliant, brilliant young people, when they get it, when they see who they can be, and they begin to to lean into that and to step into it and begin to practice it, just how it changes things. With that all in mind, here is the conversation that I had with my amazing daughter, Suzanne. Hey, Susie. Hey, mom. I am glad that you are here with me today because I'm excited for you to share your story. So first, tell the listeners a little bit about you. Uh, I'm 15. I am the only child girl, girl child in the family. (laughs) Um, I play water polo. I do swim, not willingly. Um, (laughs) Another conversation for another day. Yes. Um, I don't know. What else? What else? What do you like to do for fun? Like what's fun for you? Hanging makes out. you happy. What makes you happy? I can tell you. Hanging out with friends. Okay. Sleeping. Going to the mall. Going we just came back from the mall, so she's in a really good mood. And she got Wetson's pretzels, so she's in a really good mood. The reason why we're having you on today is because we wanted to share more about this journey that you've been on with your mental health. So can you tell us a little bit more about Take us back to the beginning, as far back as you want to go in terms of that. But uh, what was that like when you first started struggling with some of these mental health issues? I think it really started when I was like 10. I, like that's mm. really where it started. I was like, I really have always been insecure about my body and how mm. I looked and the shape. And I remember trying on bikinis in the store one time and we were like in La Jolla or something. Okay. And I tried on a bikini and I just remember sitting there in the mirror crying because I didn't like the way my body looked. Oh, wow. And that was really the start of it because I was just sitting there just crying. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of how it started. 
And I didn't really pay attention to it anymore until I got into water polo. Mm. And I see all these girls wearing bikinis and like one pieces mm. and their bodies look spectacular. And I'm mm. just like, why don't, why, why, why don't I look like that? Like, mm. and I think that's like really where it went downhill. Mm. And yeah, I just think that's where I really started to fall into a pit of depression and mm. I would, um, eat a lot and then I'd make myself throw up and then I just got to a point where I'd stop eating and throw up every single time I did eat mm. too much to where I felt like I was full. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Mm. And then I just got so unhappy that I felt like I shouldn't be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Is all of that stuff that happened? Um, sorry, it's hard for me as a mom to hear a daughter say those kinds of things because you know how amazing they are. But you also understand as a woman what it's like to look at yourself in the mirror with a bathing suit and to feel like, why don't I look the way that I want myself to look? And yet I know I don't need to look a certain way to feel a certain way about myself. Like it's all this confusion of messages. Um, And for you, water polo was something that you started last summer. So summer of 2022. But I know that we have walked with you on this journey with mental health even before that. Um, And you mentioned something about the 10-year-old thing. But what happened between that age of 10 to about 13, 14 that uh, was part of this journey as well? I honestly don't really remember. I feel like the first couple of times, because I've kind of gone through this three times, but the last time has really been the most. Right. The last time was definitely the hardest. It was definitely the hardest. Yeah. The first time I feel like I just, I was probably, I want to say 13. I was about 13. 13. I was in like sixth grade and I was just, I guess I just felt like I wasn't being heard. I wasn't being listened to and no one was there for me. And Mm -hmm. I like. I just remember getting into a stupid fight. I don't even remember what it was. And then I just had a panic attack and I just like, was like, I'm suicidal. Mm. I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. And I remember that night we rushed to the hospital and it was super dramatic. And I just remember crying the whole way there and shaking. I was, I was literally just, Mm. oh my gosh, it was so dramatic. And Mm. it was almost traumatizing. And yeah. Cause it's just like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't do well with things, which I don't know what's going to happen next. Like if, mm-hmm. yeah, if it's like anything to do with the future. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I, I just can't. I can't right. That's that. normal human. <laughs> yeah. We want to know what's going to happen. So that didn't really go very well. And then I just remember being like, I can get through this. Mm. Like I'll be fine on my own. And I had a therapist for a little bit. And yeah. A little over a year you were yeah. seeing her. Yeah. And then I got better and then my grandma died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, from COVID. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to, mm-hmm. that was awful. I stayed home for like a good week because I was just mm-hmm. crying. And I don't remember what happened after that. I remember mm-hmm. talking with my therapist again. And well, you seem to get better. Like I things seemed, got I, better. I got and better. in fact, you had said, like, I don't know if I need to see her anymore. Yeah. I think I'm good. That was actually right before. It's like summer. It was, yeah, it was right before we started. Um, we had started water polo. And so it was right before the summer we were going to do that. You seem to be doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was, it was probably that. And I was doing well. And then 
I got into water polo and I think mm. all of that started and it immediately mm. went downhill. And I just yeah. remember like telling my parents, I think the first thing I told them was I have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. We were sitting at the dinner table and I was like, mom, I've been, I've been throwing up. Yeah. Well, and then we noticed too in you, like she would not eat. Like she would just eat a little bit and we were like, okay, that's not normal. Or yeah. she would say things like, oh, I ate earlier or I'm, I'm not hungry or I'm going to eat at school, which, which, which half of that was true, which half of it's true. But you know, as a mom, it's like, okay, you want to trust your kid, but you're also like, are you really like, what are you doing? And, um, so it was, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. I was, I was just thinking too about gymnastics. You were in gymnastics before you were in water polo. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was an issue for you too, where you were seeing again, girls in these leotards and tight clothes and, um, it's not the worst. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so it's, it's really not easy. It's really not easy for girls or moms or parents because we're in this stage where we're trying to give our kids like you, we're trying to give you more independence. And yet we also have to keep you safe. And, you know, so we finally came to this place where you had admitted that, Mm -hmm. yes, there was an eating disorder happening and um, which was just heartbreaking as a mom to hear, because I was like, why would you do that? I, you know, of course you're, and it was like all three eating disorders combined together. Yeah. Binging, purging and anorexia. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, she would do it she would go either after dinner, she would do, she would throw up right after dinner. She'd go up to her room immediately after. And we were like, well, I mean, obviously like you can go up to your room, do your homework, hang out, whatever. Like it's not, we're not questioning it. But then when you started putting the pieces together, you look back and you're thinking, oh, okay. So, um, all right. So that was the, the kind of the starting point of this, the stage that I really want to focus on today. And that is the, um, the hardest stage, the darkest stage that you went through, which was last fall. And we were speaking about fall 2022 where, um, yes, she had had a moment before where you just described where you went to the, we had to take her to the ER because she had threatened with a suicidal ideation, but it was a downward spiral where we could not get her. We couldn't get you off of off of your phone for one thing. It was just like, she just wanted to lay in her bed. She didn't want to talk to anybody. She just wanted to be locked. I into could her. not talk. Like I just didn't. Yeah. I physically, I just couldn't like, they try to talk to me in the morning on the way to like school. They'd be like, Hey, how was your day? And I blow up with them. Yeah. I would get so mad. I'd be like, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. And then it started yeah. this entire fight and definitely did not go well. So what was that? What was going on in your head in that moment? What was it? What was that like to walk through that season? Where I wouldn't talk to you. Or where just, you wouldn't talk, where you were really upset and depressed. No one understood. Mm. And like, I knew that people were going through it too. Like I knew people yeah. like, were going through that, but I just felt like no one actually took me seriously. Mm. Like I talked to my friends about it and they would just laugh at me. And I'm like, that's not good friends. You talked to them about being suicidal? Yeah. Oh. Because I guess it's really, my, my humor is trauma. A little dark. <laughs> it's it's trauma. And so if something doesn't go my way, I'd be like, I'm going to kill myself. And that's, that's, you know, that's teen girl. That's, <laughs> that's my humor with my friends. So they probably just thought it was joking. I uh, don't have friends or anything, but, no. I just, but a lot of you guys are struggling with this. Like this is not a, you know, a unique thing to yeah. just you, which is something I want to talk more about in a minute, but for you, what was it like to be in that place? I know I personally have walked through depression and suicidal ideation when I was around 19 
but what was the, how would you describe it? What was it like? I feel like I was trapped like mm. in a box and I just couldn't get away. Like mm. it was like, if I could like tell you like how it felt, it was, it was dark. It was cold. Mm. And I just felt like I was getting nowhere. And I even remember for two, two, maybe even half week, like I was just in your room yeah, on my bed. Well, because that was at that point you had shared that you not only were suicidal, but you were going to act on it. And it was, it was like, I, she had shared some of the ways that she was thinking of harming herself and even stay in my own, and she couldn't stay in her own room. So we said, okay, we are going to look into some treatment options. And until the options could come through, literally you're going to sit by my side. Like you're not going out of my sight. And so we took her mattress and we put your mattress in our bedroom and you slept right next to us. And you, you mean at that point you couldn't even go to school. You were so upset. It I was... tried going to school like maybe three yeah, times and, and I broke down in the car. I remember we were sitting in the parking lot and I was like, I'm going to do something to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, of course it was hard to see that, but I was also so thankful that you shared that because how awful it would have been if you didn't share that. And then that something had followed through. So yeah, that was a very difficult few weeks. Um, We had agreed together that we wanted you to be, that we just couldn't do counseling. Counseling wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to be enough that we tried counseling and we needed the next step. And we'd also agreed that you didn't want to go to like a treatment center, like a hospital. Like you didn't want a hospital setting. Every time I've gone there, because well, Wait, we went, we, we for went ER. there. We went there before, like we even. Well, we had to, that was part of the admission process for this other place. But, but you, we had just said, like, I don't, we don't want to put you in on like an institutionalized setting, like, like a, a place where there's holding you. You yeah. know, we wanted you to be in a place where you could get all kinds of different cares and therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a place that we went to that was truly a godsend. Now it wasn't a perfect place. And I know that you have some ideas and opinions about that, but as we walked through that journey, um, we definitely, um, we definitely saw some dramatic change because of that. So without saying the name of the place and all of that, um, tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. Oh my gosh. What, What was the place for like, not the name of it, but what was it? What was it that you did? It was like, uh, almost like a mansion, like a 30 day treatment center, but it, but it was at a house, a very, like a large house in a neighborhood had a maximum of six kids at a time. And so that was really important to all of us because we wanted her to be in a, a setting where she could feel like she could, she could have a room. She could have um, other therapies. They had art therapy. They had group therapy, of course, but they had like equine, um, equine therapy. They would take them on trips outside. Um, yeah. We had family therapies. We had. It was just a lot uh, gentler, maybe is okay to say it, in terms of going through that process. But as someone who went through that process on the inside, what was the journey like for you going through that? I think definitely the first couple of days I resisted treatment because mm. I like. I was going to say, I didn't really want to necessarily go mm. to this place. And um, I definitely was resisting it. And I mm. didn't really talk to anyone. I was, I got there and I was just like crying the entire day. Mm. Um, and I think a switch just like 
flipped. And I was like, you know what? I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like make the most of it. I'm going to try and get better because I really don't like life right now. Mm-hmm. And I did. And then I think you guys even said instantly something like. Yeah. Within like there was a switch and her counselors had said like something had happened and switched in her where she was like, okay, I'm here. I'm doing this. Um, we, yeah, we, we just started seeing that switch begin yeah. to happen. Yeah. And I think something that really helped, which is kind of like a little bit different than what I was struggling with was we weren't allowed to wear makeup there. Mm. Like it was a privilege to wear makeup. Hey friend, Alicia here. If you love connecting here on the podcast, here's the best thing you can do to support it. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review. I've got a special gift for you when you do. It's my amazing 50 I am declarations. These are 50 statements and Bible verses about who you are in Christ. This is an audio meditation and a written statement that's extremely popular with my clients. And I want to give you access just for writing a five-star review. Simply screenshot your review and send it to hello at vibrantchristianliving.com and we'll send you the link to access the 50 I am declarations. You can even press pause right now on this episode and take two seconds to write that five-star rating and review, and then let us know about it at hello at vibrantchristianliving.com. Thank you so much for sharing your rating and review and for sharing about the podcast with your friends and family. Truly, it means the world to me, and you are helping others hear about these messages of hope. Well, and uh, share about some of the other things, like what, what happened in this place. It wasn't not just that you didn't have makeup. What were, what were some of the other we weren't boundaries? Like, like I'm not going to call them restrictions because, but how did they help you reset? Because that reset is really the best way that I can describe what that was like going through well, this there experience. Was, there was no phones. No phones. We couldn't have our phones. Right. Um, we only got 15 minutes of TV every day. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing we could really do is read, listen to music. Approved music. Approved music. <laughs> they had to like look through every And approved books even. And approved books. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And, and play card games. And play card games and hang out and just. I played so many card games. It's crazy. They wanted to play a board game when I got back. I was like, nope. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, not happy. I'm so over board, out games. Of board games. But it was it was so interesting because you know when you when you first go through that almost like a detox when you have this thing that especially like with a phone for especially for our teens right now like that's just ah and so much of that I think was part of was really playing into, I'm not going to say a phone caused this because I don't think it causes it, but there is a lot of it playing into the, the identity issues and the, the ideas about her, your body and stuff like that. And so when that was taken away, there was that shock, Yeah. but then it was like, wow, what's like, I'm, I'm me. Like, who do I want to be? It was almost mm-hmm. like we watched you just all the noises I taken away developed into myself. Yeah. You began to say like, okay, what do I like? What do I not like? Yeah. There are definitely some boundaries that like we couldn't talk about, which kept us from like becoming really close friends with somebody right. because I became friends with every, every single person. Yeah. I was friends with them and it was like a big sleepover app. Like yeah. by the end of it, I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, it was really fun. But like, I feel like my true colors really came mm-hmm. out at the end of it. And like, I was, there was not a day that I didn't go like without laughing. I was just <laughs> like, we'd have so many laughing sessions, Yeah, but there are, also definitely days where it's like 
they were dark. They were hard. They were I mean, hard. that was, this was not a this was not a Disneyland it adventure that you went on. You, I mean, I remember getting off the phone with I think my brother once, and I don't even know why, but I cried the rest of the night. Like I just sat there, and then everyone around me started crying because they mm-hmm. all like they all had like difficult phone calls, and we all just kind of sat on a couch and we listened to Matilda by Harry Styles. Yes. And we were she all converted just, everybody to becoming Harry Styles fans in that house to be a huge Harry Styles fan. Which we got to go to Harry Styles the night before she went into this place. So, like, crying. God's timing on that was amazing because I told them, I'm like, I was just like, God, please, like, I know that we want you to get into this place and they're going to, whenever the opening is, the opening is. But this was like something that she had been looking forward to for months. And I was like, Lord, she's going through so much. Can we just please have this? And it was the night before. The concert concert was the night before so it was like and that oh. was a little bit like i i was crying every single song mm. every single song especially when it's not in the times and until like yeah i was like yeah i was i was sobbing but yeah. um yeah so in the place let's go back to where that where Sorry. you were in the place um you had some big breakthroughs while you were there what were some of the things that you discovered about yourself that was part of that journey. Um, it's a good question. <laughs> I really have to think about this one. Okay. Wait, can you repeat it? What were some of the things you discovered about yourself and about who you wanted to be during this journey while you were there? Well, I think towards the end of it, I, let me just, hold on, let me back up a bit. Um, I was not Christian going into this. I completely was just like, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I'm just over it. And then I got to the facility, still felt that way. And then maybe like two weeks before I left, I was like, you know what? Like I started praying. Like I was like praying, like I just be sitting there like praying on the couch. Like This I, is not a Christian facility. It's not, a by Christian the way. Facility. Yeah. <laughs> and I just really started relying on him. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. really when like the biggest switch happened, like, a, you know, something changed before, but that's when the biggest thing happened. And that's when I really became my true self. And like, Mm. there has been so many times where I'm just like, I don't want to like be too loud. I don't want to be too quiet because I feel like people are going to judge me. I did not care after that. Mm. I was like, God loves me. He like made me and this is my personality. And like, I'm not going to hide it. Yeah. And I really became myself. And I remember telling my mom that I think it was probably the day before the day before she got to come home the yes. day before I got to in come the session home, I was like I accepted Christ and then everyone started crying I was like whoa but mm-hmm. and how did that but you shared a very specific incident that happened that made the rededication to God come about very specifically what was that you remember you were watching a TED talk I don't remember I remember it was a TED talk but I don't remember what the TED talk was about there was a girl, you said something about a story she had gone through and how... I think she went through something similar. And how was, God had helped her. Yeah. We were we had these nights. I think it was like every Thursday we had to watch like a TED Talk or something. And I didn't really like the TED Talks. I did not like the TED Talks. But I listened to this one and it was like this girl was going through like... Actually, no. I think she lost all of her limbs or something like mm. that. And like she was going something really going through something really drastic. Yeah. And she was also dealing with like suicide depression like everything Mm. and she's like and I relied on God and Mm. like I like she was just like telling this really incredible story about how she's like I don't really know what the word like 
she's motivational. She's a motivational speaker. Yeah. Meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I just thought that was really cool. And I was like, if like God can do that for someone else, why can't he do that for me? Yeah. So I think that's really when something flipped. And I remember like we were talking, we had a family session and I'm like, I want to start going to our church. Mm. Cause I didn't go before I just like was so blocked off to it. Mm. And I was like, I want to start going. And I did. Mm. And yeah. 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 It's, it's a very, yeah. It's been beautiful to see you discover God in a way that it's a personal way for you. I mean, we, as your parents obviously raised you and shared with you about Jesus, but we all have that moment when it has to become, it has to click in your head. It has to be real. So that was a great day yeah. when we heard that. So you left the place, the treatment mm-hmm. center. And when you came out of there, how would you describe the difference in who you were when you came out versus who you were when you went in? I was definitely a lot more confident in mm-hmm. myself. I was more confident in myself and I just felt lighter. Yeah. You could just see it. Like I could see it in you that your whole, just your countenance. First of all, we can only talk for five minutes at a time. And then the times went up to 10 minutes after a certain privileges that they earned, then 15, 15 but, was the highest. but that was the highest. And then we could only visit her. They only had visiting hours one day a week for four hours, one to four, or one to five. One of her brothers came to visit her at one point And he was like, gosh, she's so like, giggly and cheerful and little like it's like she's totally faking it and my husband said I don't think so I think this is just like we're just seeing the real Susie finally like it was like you need to get her out of there psychopath and we're like um I think she's just like becoming comfortable in her own skin you were just glowing like just it was it was amazing so um from that time because that was beginning of December through now we're recording this at the end of February where have you been through that? And where are you at now? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm just going to say this. now. I definitely still have my days where, oh yeah. Like I'm not fixed. I'm not perfect. I'm no. going to this place. The skills that I learned there have really mm-hmm. helped me survive. She adores water polo and she's really good at it. And it's, that's been, that in itself has been, I think was truly like the timing of that was a God thing too, because she came right out of the center and the season had just started and to go in and to just almost every game, watch her confidence soar as she played and got tougher. And if you guys know anything about water polo is not a t- easy sport and it is very physical. So she just got more like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get that girl. If she tries to take the ball from me, you know? So that was <laughs> awesome to see. I, I remember my first goal. I was like, Yes. Screaming in the pool. Yes. Yes. I was screaming. We had other moms coming over because again, a a lot of the moms knew what she'd been walking through. Yeah. So, and that was also my new year's resolution. It's like, I'm going to make a goal. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make a goal. And I made a goal and I remember jumping on one of my friends in the pool. Yeah. I started drowning her because I was so excited. I was like, Yes, I know. The other team was probably like, what? It's one goal. But no, we we knew what what an amazing moment that was. So, you know, life is kind of quote, gone back to normal in terms of you're in school full time, all of that. And so um, what would you say are some of the things that are still kind of ongoing issues you're working with? You're now working with a different counselor. Going back to swim, I'm really anxious and stressed about 
She meats. has her first meat coming up. She hasn't had her first one yet. Yeah, first meat. And this is something I've been trying to avoid. And so this is like my first official meet. And I'm yeah. so, 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 so scared. And I keep having to tell myself, it's just like a 20 second thing. But you're racing against yourself. Yeah. It's your improvement. It's yes. you're racing against the goal. And I think that's something I have to really like rely on God and mm. lean on God about. And it's like, this is something everyone goes through. And I'm sure everyone is worried about it and stressed about it. And right. like, it's completely normal, but I'm going to rely on you to help me. Why do you think so many of your friends, like, I don't think it's just your friends, but why do you have so many other girls who are 15, 16, three, even 13, 14? Why do you think it's such an issue right now? What do you see in that culture? Honestly, social media mm. has a, a big thing to do with it. And just people and how they pose Mm. For their bodies. I feel like body image is such a big problem when it comes to mental health. Where I think as women, we're always struggling with that, especially as we age and our bodies start sagging and changing in different areas, or we have a baby and our body changes. Something that we are continually, at least for me, I'm continually reassessing. This body houses my spirit. It's the flesh for the calling that God has given me. It helped create four babies. It helps me exist in this world. So how can it be anything but good? It's so much better to be a comfortable size, whatever that size is for our individual bodies. And we're taking care of ourselves with healthy eating and we're exercising. And I love that. That seems to be something that you're settling into. In the beginning we had to, and I was very grateful that you were willing to do this. Like she would send us pictures of anything that she ate. Like, okay, this is a picture of me. Because I was away for more than half the day. Yeah. She was at school. So it's like, how do I know that you're eating breakfast? How do I know that you're eating lunch? You say that, but you'd said that before. And so how do I know that's true? And so she would take pictures of it or she would video us. Hey mom, here's my lunch here. I'm eating. Or then after dinner too, the other thing is she, because when she was in the center after they ate, they weren't allowed to go to the bathroom an hour before or an hour after because of the binging part or the purging part. Sorry. So when she came back, I mean, we had some kind of just rough patches we had to work through because it's like, okay, you've been in this super secure, really watched environment with all those things. And now it's like, how do we not serve as the police, but still keep you accountable to what you've learned and grown to? Like, so in the very, in the very beginning, it was like, every time she ate, she would say, um, we'd stand outside the bathroom if she had to go to the bathroom and she would sing a song because in the center, they would ask them to sing a song where they were in the bathroom because if you're singing- yeah, if you're singing or, or counting, you're obviously not throwing up. What would you say to somebody, another girl or anybody who has in, been in that place or is in that place right now and is really struggling with their mental health and believing that things are going to be okay? I know it's hard, mm-hmm. but going to someone and telling them, and I know it's going to suck like the first two weeks because they're going to be on your back and you're going to be like, get off my back, I'm fine. I don't know why she would ever say that, but you know, um, people who care about you, you know, are going to, yeah, they're going to be but interested Yeah, to do reach out to someone. Mm. If it's a parent, even if it's a friend, even right now, something that's really been helpful for me is taking mental health days. And I'll tell this to my mom, like, I don't do it all the time, but there'll be like every once in a while where it's like, I just can't do it day. Mm. And I will stay home and I'll really work on myself, whether that's cleaning my room. Mm. Like her counselor and I were talking about that the other day, that kind of gauging how many of those that she's having is an indicator potentially of one of the indicators of how she's doing, how she's recovering. And 
we've noticed that that has been getting less and less. It's not that, you know, it's wrong for us to have those days. And I appreciate something about you, Sue, is that you are much better about taking time to spend to refuel yourself. And before it was locking yourself in your room and, and just being sad or, you know, removing yourself and crying. But now I see that time that you have by yourself as this is part of your refueling that you need. And and we're sitting here saying like our journey through this has not been perfect or easy. And we're, we still are figuring it all out uh, in terms of how to give her space to be herself, but still also give her, um, but also still be a parent and be like, Hey, yeah. And you still have to clean your room and you still have to take care of this. You know, when you're in that moment of crisis where a child is, you know, they're suicidal and they could act on it. It's like every conversation you have with them, you don't even want to say no or anything because you're so afraid of what they will do. And so now, um, because there is that healing that has happened and is continuing to happen, it's just like, I feel like we can have way more normal teen mom interaction conversations. Susie, I grateful for your time today and for your willingness to share so honestly. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. I left that conversation and just gave her a massive hug because I was so I was just so blown away by her honesty, by her willingness to um, verbalize. Because as you know, if you've ever had a teen walk through this or anyone walk through a mental health issue like this, they have a really hard time in the moment necessarily sharing what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. And so some of the things that she was sharing were things that I had sensed, but I hadn't heard her verbalize to me. So it was a real gift to have that conversation for me. It was a gift to me as well. Well, I want to end this time by praying, praying for our teen girls. And even as we, if I say something like that, praying for our teen girls, that seems so massive. It seems so huge. But even after just again, hearing again, my daughter's story, each of these different young women have a divine gift in them from the Lord. They have a divine calling on their life. No matter where they are at spiritually, they've been created on purpose and with a purpose. And they have been seduced by the world, by the enemy's lies in different ways. And yet there is a God who loves them, who is calling each one of them out differently in all of their journeys, and he can rescue them. There is no doubt in my mind, the Bible confirms it, that he has the power over all things and can rescue even what seems like the most hopeless situation. So I want to join hands with you, and I pray you will join me in praying for our girls, for this generation of young women who so desperately need to see the love that God has for them, who so desperately need to let it sink into their heart and change them, who need to take a stand for the reality that they are more than what they think they should be on social media, that they are God's beautiful daughters who are created strong and beautiful in his image, and that they can rise above these feelings they have. They can be resilient because of it. So join me as we pray and bring this to our Heavenly Father, who is more than able to change and to heal and to bring transformation. Heavenly Father, what a gift it is to come to you and to know that there is nothing in this universe that is 
stronger, that is bigger, that is harder, that is anything just that's going to get in the way of you, that you are the ultimate authority. And at the same time, you are the ultimate source of love and care and compassion, that you love each one of these girls. You love them so much. You love this generation. You love this generation and are calling them in a way that no other generation has been called, I believe, to be strong for you, to be your strong voice. They have seen the emptiness of this world in a way maybe that no other generation has. And so I pray that that emptiness that they're seeing, the brokenness, the shallowness, that they would see that and not fall into the pit of that, but they would see it and see the lie for what it is. And they would turn away from it and say, man, there's got to be more. And for those who know God and have heard of God, have gone to church where their parents have, have taken them to a place like that, or their friends have taken them, that this would be the moment that that shallowness would allow them to point themselves to you. But whatever it is, whether it's um, just realizing that they're more than what their outside body looks like, realizing that they have a purpose, realizing that they don't have to depend on their friends for their security, that there is someone who loves them outside of all of that, that I pray that they would discover your love. They would discover your truth. I pray for the mom and the dad and the sister and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents who have loved ones, teen girls who are walking through this very scary, very lonely road. And Lord, will you please put your arms around them? Will you please comfort them through this? Will you please show them how to pray? For their girls. Show them how to walk through this, God, as you've been so faithful to show me. I thank you that you're mighty, that you're strong, that you're all-powerful, and that you will bring good out of all this darkness that's in our world today. We pray for these women, these young, beautiful women, that they would grow up. I just am, I can see, Lord, just this picture of them being like these beautiful sprouts growing in fresh, you know, fresh dirt, so to speak, just beautiful, fresh, new flowers growing and maturing. And even though they can feel the the darkness around them, that your light fills them, that your light strengthens them. And that's what they move towards, like a plant moving towards the light, that that would be what they were leaning towards. They would be able to seek out what is true and dismiss and see the lies for what they are. Father, help each individual girl where she's at, as you are more than able to do, comfort her, walk with her. I thank you that you're the faithful God who does that. And I am grateful that even in these these moments of prayer, that we know you're going to change hearts. You're going to bring hearts back to you. So we lift this all up in your name and we thank you for the power of prayer and the ability to change the future by just coming to you and saying, God, we don't know how to handle this. We don't know how to fix the situation, but you do, and we trust you with it. Father, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to continue this conversation with a different aspect of this topic. Next week is going to be more about my side of this journey with my daughter. I'm going to share what it was like for me to walk through this. Uh, This was not the first time that uh, we've walked through some mental health issues with our kids, but this was definitely the most intense. I'll just put it to you that way. And 
I wanted to share some things that were extremely helpful for me during that season of the most intense moments. Again, we're still, you know, nothing, (laughs) it's still always going on, isn't it? If you know what I'm saying. But um, I want to share what was helpful in terms of mindsets, what was helpful in terms of actions from me. And also, I'm going to be sharing some ideas from some other friends of mine who are still in this battle. What is it that they need? What is it that they're needing at this moment? What is it that they w- they're finding helpful and encouraging? And what are they still struggling with and trusting God with? So that you can hear some of those voices as well and the reality of it if you're in that. Because we love our kids so much. And as moms, we have the power to be able to sway and encourage our children towards good. And so, so much of this battle that they're going through, we are carrying on their behalf because we love them so much. So don't miss that conversation next week. I will see you back here for next week's episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today for The Christian Mindset Coach. If you loved today's show, would you take two seconds and share a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts? I've got a special gift for you when you share a review, my amazing 50 I Am declarations, 50 statements and Bible verses about who you are in Christ. This is an audio meditation and a written statement that is extremely popular with my clients, and I want to give you access just for sharing your Apple Podcast review. Simply screenshot your review and send it to hello at vibrantchristianliving.com, and we'll send you the link to access the 50 IM Declarations resource. Thanks so much for sharing your rating and review so that we can get the word out about the podcast. See you back here next week.